When going through my classes at the seminary that were teaching us to uh, write sermons, write and deliver sermons, they threw a lot at us. Uh, you know, different things to help us, you know, connect the readings to a modern day context. Different uh, storytelling devices. You know, just trying to equip us with different tools for sermons. And while there are a number of different purposes and ways to write a sermon, the main purpose of a good Lutheran sermon, at the very core, is we preach the Word of God. We show the law of God, which shows us that we're sinners in need of forgiveness. And then we show the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for us, and he does forgive us. You, you can do a lot of great things, but at the center, it is all about the good news that Jesus forgives. All that being said, and now that I've shared all my secrets that were, uh, we were taught at the seminary, I want to look at this uh, sermon from Peter. I want to look at it and talk about it. Because this sermon that Peter gives is amazing. And the outcome of this sermon is even more amazing. So this takes place on Pentecost. You know, this was the day that the Holy Spirit came and had the people had tongues of fire above their heads and were able to speak in languages that they previously didn't know. They were speaking these languages to be able to reach the people who had come from different places to celebrate Pentecost, people who didn't all speak the same language. Now, Peter gives this sermon that really culminates at the end. When Peter says, Let all of the house of Israel know for certain that, this, uh, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Talk about a pretty serious dosage of the law. They were responsible for killing the Son of God. Now, the, the verse right after, verse 37 says this, Now when they heard it, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? The law was preached, and I love how the Bible says that it cut them to the heart. The law showed them that they were sinners, that they had messed up. At this point, I imagine they're starting, whether slowly or pretty quickly, to feel terrified. They're realizing through the conviction of God's law that they killed the Son of God. And so their response, what shall we do, is a very natural one. You know, in other words, what hope is there for us? And that's precisely what the law does Makes us, come to the, uh, makes us come to terms with the fact that we have sinned against. We have offended God Almighty. When we realize that, it should terrify us. The law of God terrifies the, the conscience that has sinned. Now, before I get to Peter's response about what he says to do, I want to talk about the fact that Peter response. A reading from Luke, you know, one that we all know, where Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. Talk about feeling guilt over your sin. That's got to be something that weighed pretty heavy on 
Peter's heart, denying knowing Jesus. Peter had been following Jesus, his best friend, for three years. He had seen him perform amazing miracles. He had heard him preach powerful sermons. And on top of that, Jesus even told Peter that he would deny knowing him. And yet, Peter still does. He still denies knowing his friend and his Savior. To further highlight how big of a deal Peter's denial was, I want to bring us to the end of Mark. This is where the women have gone to the tomb of Jesus, and there's an angel in there, and he talks to the women. And you remember what he says? Go, tell his disciples and Peter. Tell his disciples and Peter. Peter's denial, Peter's sin was a really big deal. So much so that at least for a period of time, he was not really a disciple of Jesus. So it isn't too crazy to think that Peter had similar thoughts to what uh, the people, when they said, what shall we do? It's not too crazy to think he had a similar thought. After Jesus rose from the dead, I'm sure Peter was just racking his brain trying to think of ways to make it up to Jesus, to make things better, to restore the broken relationship. But if you've ever been a part of a broken relationship, then you know that the only way a broken relationship gets better is if the person who has been offended forgives the other person. You know, the person who has done wrong can do everything in the world to make it better, but if the person who has been offended doesn't forgive them, it doesn't matter. There's an ancient Japanese practice, process called kintsugi. May or may not be pronouncing that right. It takes place when uh, a precious vase or bowl or a teapot falls and breaks into many pieces. And what they do is they take the broken pieces and they take a precious metal, oftentimes liquid gold or liquid silver, and they take the pieces and they put them back together using this precious metal. Now, I imagine it is a very tedious process, one that takes a lot of care and a lot of patience. But the piece that was broken, rather than throwing it out and getting a new one, is restored. In fact, there's even more value added to it after because of this precious metal. Now, you can still see where the breaks are, but what was once broken into many pieces through this process has been restored. You could say the same for Peter. Both in the sense of throughout his life, the sins that he had committed, but also the sin of denying knowing Jesus. And yet, after his resurrection, Jesus forgave him. And he restored Peter even to the point of making him a leader in his church. So Peter knows about the restoration 
about the forgiveness that Jesus provides. He's experienced it firsthand. Going back to our reading from Acts, when the people say, brothers, what shall we do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter knows about the restoration, about the forgiveness that Jesus provides. He has experienced it firsthand. He preaches to the people about something that he knows very well, about something that he needs just as much as the people to whom he's speaking. And you know what happens when the people, having been cut to the heart, hear the good news of Jesus? A few verses, in la- uh, a few verses later in Acts, it says this. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day 3,000 souls. That is amazing. God worked through his word, through Peter's sermon, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus and the forgiveness and restoration that he offers. What Peter did to Jesus, or what Jesus did to Peter, what Jesus did on that day where 3,000 souls were added, what Jesus has been doing throughout the history of the church is what he still does today. Forgives sins restoring what sin has broken. Going back to the kintsugi process, you know, you and I can relate just the same as Peter. It might be a little bit different for for many of us, many of us having been baptized as babies, but the truth remains, because of our sin, We ourselves and our relationship to God was broken into many pieces. Our sin broke our relationship to God, and because of that, we faced hell. And we really did have reason to ask, what shall we do? What hope is there? But what our sin broke, Jesus' death and resurrection put back together. And it wasn't precious metals that did it, but it was Jesus' precious blood that put us back together. God could have moved on from us, a bunch of broken sinners, but he didn't. He redeemed us, he restored us, and he forgave us. And he has great plans to use us. And just like Peter, we speak of the forgiveness of Jesus, the restoration of Jesus, because we too have experienced it firsthand. We all have undoubtedly faced times where we've sinned and we've felt the guilt and the weight of that sin on our hearts. No matter how big or how bad your sin is, It's not too big or too bad that Jesus can't forgive it. Jesus' love and forgiveness is greater than our absolute worst offenses. Jesus' forgiveness is the only thing that can lift that weight, that burden from our conscience. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know what it's like 
to be used for God's purposes, even after the shattering effects of sin. God uses us. We who were once a shattered mess because of sin, he now uses us to share the good news of Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers. The fact that Peter preached on Pentecost is a testament to the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. How we live reflects the love and forgiveness of Jesus in our lives too. You see, we're not perfect. And while we have been put back together by Jesus, we still see the scars, the brokenness that sin left. Just like a vessel that has been uh, restored through the Kintsugi process where you still see the breaks. Don't be afraid to share your scars, your brokenness with others. When we show others that we are sinners in need of the same forgiveness and the same love that we speak of, we're able to show the love of God in our lives. God is using you you who were once broken by sin, now restored by Jesus, to share the good news that Jesus restores, that Jesus forgives. We get to share that good news with everyone we encounter. For the sake of a world who still needs a healing after being broken. Amen. Heavenly Father, Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for sending your son to die for us, to put us back together. Thank you for the love that you've shown us. God, work in us. Continue to use us to share that great news, that good news that Jesus saves and restores us with everyone we encounter. Pray this all in your son's name. Amen.